Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are live from the uh, warehouse right here in Orem, 86 East University Parkway. Come see us. We still have some jazz gear for you. And, of course, uh, prices here so low it will blow your mind right here at the warehouse. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Rudy and Donovan in the All-Star game as well as going into this back stretch of the season. Gordon, that's going to be really important. And I'm hoping that the last week of the season doesn't get wonky like it did last year. Yeah. I'd like to see everybody going hard at it right up until the end. Yes, uh, and that obviously because competitively it gets – incongruous right when when teams certain teams don't care and other teams care dearly well and i just that last game of the year last year oh well that was everybody sat everybody and it still went to double overtime and grayson allen had 40 or 50 points or whatever he did right and it didn't matter and then the jazz still got the houston rockets anyway yeah that and, was a wild you, ending. When of the you season. think about what had to happen in order for that matchup to be made, oh, the likelihood right. had to be basically nothing. I mean, the likelihood of that. I mean, there was like five different things that had to happen. Now you mentioned this yesterday, but how, r- review that for our listeners. How would you feel about a Houston Jazz first round meeting this time? Around? I think it'd be rough. I, th- I think it would be a hard fought series. I think the Jazz don't match up particularly well against Houston. I mean, not that a ton of teams do, but we've seen these teams play in the past. Now things would be different without Capella, and I think the Jazz are the better team. I'd, I'd pick them to win that series, but I mean, I think it'd be hard, hard fought, and then you'd have the number one seed waiting for you in the next round if they were to play in a 4-5 or five series. Whereas, wouldn't you rather have Denver waiting for you in the second round after a first-round series with Oklahoma City? Well, the Jazz would, yeah. Or you, anybody, yeah. any rational basketball right. person. They would never admit that, but the, yeah, they would. So if somehow, because the Clippers, they're going to continue this load management stuff all the way up into the end. I, re- I really believe that. So there's going to be some you know, games where they don't quite gel together or missing a key guy or whatever, where I'm not convinced that they're a shoe in to finish, finish in the second seed, even though they're probably at least the second best team. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you could finish second or third and the Clippers fall to fourth, well, you might avoid the Clippers all, all the way around. Well, it sounds like the Jazz are doing something similar with Mike Conley, at least. Well, and I, I think, you know, we've been talking about this for months, Gordon. They, if they're going to achieve all they can, Mike Conley's got to be healthy and playing well. And healthy probably comes first. So you want them to be healthy, but you also want them to be integrated properly. And so it's, that's a bit of a conundrum. I mean, there's 28 games left, and let's say he doesn't play five because there are five back-to-backs left. I mean, he's still playing 23 games. True, true. But maybe if, uh, you know, if the Clippers don't keep their foot on the – on the pedal, maybe the Jazz will be able to creep up. But they certainly have to take advantage of these home stands that they have in order to get there. And that's why these home games are so very important. You can't – we saw earlier in the season where the Jazz would slip up a little bit here and there. No more of that allowed. Not for them to, to position themselves 
where they want to be to avoid a scenario like you just laid out. Well, and they need to win some of these 50-50 games. Uh, the Jazz may be favored on Saturday against the Rockets, but it's going to be pretty close. I mean, we wouldn't be surprised if Houston came out winning. You know, the game's left against Denver. They've got to win these games where maybe they're favored, maybe they're not, but we could see it go either way. They've got to win more of those than they lose. Don't you think, Jake, though, that the Jazz are better suited to face the Rockets now than they were a year ago? I mean, they've got some playmakers beyond Donovan Mitchell now that they can maybe handle that switching defense a little better. They've got better shooting so that uh, if they crowd Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz are depending on Joe Ingles to hit some shots, but he's being forced to uncomfortable spots on the floor. Well, now you got Boyan Bogdanovich to help out. You know, they've got they've made improvements, and I think this was all based off of what they saw a year ago. Uh, Dennis Lindsay said as much. Remember, at the end of the season, he said the series against the Rockets proved to us that we're not good enough. We're good, but we're not good enough, and so they went out to design the team so that they would be able to handle an opponent like that. I agree, but what Houston does still forces the Jazz into doing what they don't want to do. Now, hold on. Maybe, I'm, but I'm I think not... with Capella there, at least that was diff- uh, created difficulties for Rudy Gobert that I'm not sure he's going to face that same difficulty against this particular team now. True, but it, with Capella there, you couldn't switch everything because you couldn't yeah. switch Capella. And now you can switch everything, which really crushes Rudy on the roll to the rim. He's got to figure out a different way to score. But he's so much bigger than whoever's going to be on him. You'd think he'd be able to, you know, with the, with the uh, skilled passers the Jazz have, that they would be able to lob that ball up there in position where Rudy can just punish somebody who's 6'3 or 6'4". Well, we'll, we'll see because I'm sure they'll have to scheme creative, uh, creatively, but it, it will be tough for Rudy to score, and Rudy's not a post-up guy. He's when he's when, gotten better. He has gotten better, but it's still not a weapon. I mean, it's still not, you know, if there is a guy between Rudy and the basket, he still struggles a lot. It's not as bad as he used to be, and he's got some moves in his arsenal that he didn't yeah, have but before. There, but if are there's you a six five guy between him and the basket? Can't Rudy just dunk on him? We'll see. It's not that easy because that's exactly what they tried to do at the beginning of the last Houston game, and it didn't go very well. It didn't, but that was, you know, that's not conclusive evidence. It's evidence nonetheless. <laughs> and Rudy's always um, had trouble with the switching defense. That's That's been a fact. So they're they're better equipped, but they still, with the switching defense, are forced to play one-on-one a lot, and that's not the Jazz game. Now they have more players that are equipped to go up against that, certainly, than they have in the past, but still not the way they want to play. They want to play pick and roll. They want to play move the ball. It's not, you know, let my guy go one-on-one with your guy. But at least gives them an option that they didn't have before. Well, Mike Conley is good one-on-one. Donovan Mitchell's good one-on-one. Um, Jordan Clarkson's really good one-on-one. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're more equipped to to combat it. But also, you know, it depends on what they do with uh, Bogdanovich. Can they take him out of a series? You know? Can they take other – you know, they took Joe Ingles out of the series last year. Can you do that again? But can they take both Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich out Why at not? the same time? If they're going to force him to play one-on-one, they can. I don't know, because the other guys can create plays, and then when that defense collapses on them, they might be able to feed the ball to their shooters. I just don't love the matchup. I'd rather see the Jazz playing their game. Because I, I 
I tend to agree with you, Gordon. I think they should be a better team. I think they should be able to use their size against Houston. But, I mean, Houston plays the Jazz away that they're not uh, – I mean, it's not ideal to play against from okay, a matchup so which, standpoint. which teams in the West do you think would create the biggest problems for the Jazz? I mean, I mean the, ultimately, your, your answers won't be surprising. But no, I mean, the most talented is there, teams. Is there, okay, so we're looking at the Lakers, the Clippers – I'm still, what about the Nuggets? I'm still not 100% sold on Denver, and, and I'll be the first to tell you that's probably completely unfair to Denver because I've been saying it for three years, and they've been good for three years. So it's probably unfair, but I'm still not a, a huge believer in the in the Nuggets for the same reason that a lot of folks aren't huge believers in the Jazz because they don't have – are you buying Jokic as a number one on a title contending team? Uh, he is number one on that team. I uh-huh. Mean. He's a pretty talented dude. He's so unique, and maybe that's where we misidentify Denver and how good they are. He's such a unique player. There's not really another like him. And I know everybody goes, but Arvidas Sabonis. But he was 1,000 years old when he played in the NBA and a shell of his former self. True. So I don't know if we've ever seen a player like him. So there's not really a comp where you say, well, this guy could only go so far. So I don't know. Maybe. So do you fear, if you're, if you're talking about the Jazz, you're on the Jazz. Do you fear the Rockets more than the Nuggets? Yes. Do you? Hmm. Mm. I'm not sure I agree. I, I think, you know, I get what you're saying about the Rockets, and I know the track record there, but the Nuggets are pretty good. Yeah, they are. They are. And like I said, I'm probably totally underselling them. I'm probably completely wrong. Is there anyone else that you're including in that group? Well, I mean, listen, if you have to go up against the Lakers and the Clippers, I mean, it's going right. to be. I, I already mentioned them. Okay. Is, there, is there anybody else? That... I mean, it, really, the West is, is good enough. I mean, uh, Luka is is so good. I mean, the Dallas, the Mavericks are going to be dangerous in the playoffs, although I think that they have flaws that would make them unlikely to get out of the first round. Uh, Oklahoma City, I think, is a plucky bunch of overachievers, and usually when that plucky bunch gets into a playoff setting where you have to play the same team over and over again, usually it doesn't go quite so yeah, well. it's still to be respected. Well, I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander is amazing. He is a great young player. He's perfect for them to build around. I don't know if he's there yet. And Chris Paul in the playoffs, I've never really believed in Chris Paul in the playoffs. So He's been, he's been pretty good this year. He has been. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good for him. Excited for him. Anyone else? That, uh, <laughs> well, I, who, who are we leaving out? Well, because when you look at the eight seed, I don't believe in Memphis, even though they've been certainly better than expected this year. I expect, depending on when Damian Lillard gets back, Portland probably to play their way into the eight. But who knows? And then from there, I, I think it, I think the Pelicans are a real long shot at this point. And the Spurs, you know, they're t- at 23 and 31. I don't know if the Spurs are getting there. So you're probably looking at the Grizzlies or the Blazers. So if the Jazz were fortuitous enough and focused enough to finish in the two spot, then they there's a good chance they would face OKC. Or Dallas. Yes. Who Both of those teams I would much rather face than the Rockets. Okay. And if then, I'm the then, Jazz, of then course. Then if they hit the, th- the three spot there, then that would probably... You'd get the other one. You'd get Dallas or OKC. The West is good all the way around. The Not Jazz... quite as deep as it has been in past years, but yeah, still pretty good. Hmm. Well, we'll see. And of course, uh, they could end up at four. That's where they are right now. 
Um, they want they want home court advantage in that first round, man. That's they they got to get that. Oh, uh, give me the better matchup over home court, but in this case, I think it goes hand in hand. That's because, because you never believe in the difficulty of uh, playing on someone else's. I I just think floor. home court advantage rarely matters, and we've argued about that. We a have, lot. and we I, have. you were the only person I've ever heard say uh, well, really believe that. I'm the only person who's right because you just <laughs> look into it. For, for wait, 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 wait! Repeat that. You are the only person who is right. If you look into it, uh, dude, didn't we go through the whole Jazz history of Game 7? Let's not go. The Jazz need a better matchup in the first round. And to get that better matchup, they need to play their way into the second or third seed, which would give them home court advantage. So in this great debate, the point is moot. Okay. All right. I've just never heard anybody in my all my years, never heard anybody say that home court does not matter. I think of anything the last couple of years has certainly proved that point. With teams Look, caring there, there less are, about the regular are, there season. There are exceptions to everything, but on the whole, come on, Jake. You had the Nuggets last year losing games a week and a half before the end of the regular <laughs> season on purpose just to b- bump down to avoid the Houston Rockets. Or was it Portland who was avoiding it? No, no it was Denver who was doing it. I'd have to remember the whole scenario. But it was stupid. It was people realizing, oh, the seed stuff doesn't matter. We're just going to go for the right matchup in the first round. They dumped a game to somebody. It might have even been Houston. And they still, I realize they still finished with the second seed last year, but they dumped a game, I believe, against Houston with like a week and a half to go to manipulate the standing. It, it's what opened the door for what happened to happen on the last night. And the most difficult matchups for the Jazz, the two most difficult would be, is it the Lakers and the Clippers or is it the Rockets? No, it's the Lakers and the Clippers still. Because I I still think that both those teams actually, but particularly the Clippers, have another level defensively that is going to make any matchup in the playoffs going to be just brutal. And the Clippers have one heck of a bench, which matters less in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. But if they can get all that to work, I mean, there's not a whole lot of weaknesses there. And I still think, like, like take a, a playoff series against the Jazz, you know, if you can have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Patrick Beverly all taking turns guarding Donovan Mitchell, that's going to be a long series for Donovan Mitchell. However, the Jazz do have a 2-1 and record against the Clippers. They but... do. But I, I'm just saying, like, like uh, it's the same thing against the Lakers. You know, if you uh, the whole series LeBron is facing Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Patrick Beverly at all times, I mean, that's going to be a tough series for LeBron. That's going to be a tough series for anybody. They could just go at the other team's number one like that. I mean, that that's going to be next-level stuff. Well, it's bound. They're going to have to play one of those two teams and maybe both. I would say likely both, actually. Mm. But, yeah, no, they're going to, they're going to have to the, – the Jazz are going to have to face some real teams in the playoffs. That's what's great about the playoffs. So what is the best preparation for that down the stretch? Uh, over th- as far as things that the Jazz can control, what will what will I, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said the integration of Mike Conley? Yeah, that has to happen in order for the Jazz to to really be able to compete against those two teams. And if they have to play both of them, then Mike better be the Mike of old. 
And for confidence sake, I think they need to beat some good teams in meaningful games. Because last year, remember, they had that uh, the, the schedule down the stretch was really light, and the Jazz came into the playoffs red hot, but then kind of had their eyes open like, oh, man. So the Rockets aren't the Hornets. So we learned that lesson, you know. So I think they need to kind of tune things up by beating some good teams and meeting full games. I still think they need to tighten down that perimeter defense yeah. as well. Well, and that's where Mike Conley, that's going to be tough with him. That's, yeah. a, that's a big project. And it's Got just, to stay in front of your man. And then the, here come the screens. You know, we've seen that a thousand times. So yeah, there's there's some there's some work to do for for the Jazz, which which in all honesty should make these last twenty eight games really exciting. Yeah, because there's a lot on the line. There's a lot ex- at stake, expectations internally, externally. You know, especially if they could finish real hot and finish in the two seed. I mean, then we're really talking about a contender going into the playoffs. So, but things need to come together, and Mike Conley needs to be a big part of that. And Joe Ingles needs to figure out a way to get himself going it, when Mike's in the lineup. You know, I know there's three ball handlers on the on the floor at the same time with Joe Donovan and Mike Conley. And those guys have to find a way to to contribute together and find enough shots for the shooters. I mean, Bogdanovich, he's going to shoot the ball. It's going to happen. Jordan Clarkson's going to come in and shoot the ball. The playmakers have to figure out a way to best maximize everybody, including themselves. And I know Mike over the past five games he's played has averaged right around 20 points. That's not even necessary, in my opinion. You know, yeah. contribute in a big way. Even 15, 16, 17 points is more than adequate as long as you're running the jazz stuff and making plays for others as well as yourself. Here, here. All right. Wow, I don't I, know what happened to David Long. I just got a here, here out of Gordon. I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. Actually. Are we going to have uh, David on? At some I point? don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, I, we're hoping to have David <laughs> on still. And he told us probably sometime in the five o'clock hour. So okay. that, of course, makes for a good tease. But we'd still love to talk to David Locke. We and will. Hopefully we will do that coming up here shortly. And, and one thing I'll say about David is I know he's high on the Rockets and what they're going to do to close down the regular season. You know what the, the biggest mystery to me, though, about the Rockets is going to be, Gordon? Uh, good or bad matchup for the Jazz aside. Are they built for the playoffs? Because that is something I'm not convinced by. I mean, if you have to scheme against the Rockets and their small ball for, you know, a five, six, seven game series, you're going to figure some stuff out. Yeah. I thought I thought the Jazz figured some stuff out on James Harden last year in the playoffs, and I know everybody laughed at their get behind him and take away the step back shot, but it turned out yeah, to be pretty darn effective. And I think maybe even seeing Rudy guard Russell Westbrook. I mean, you see that in a series, and the Jazz able to figure it out. Yeah, I I'd be curious to see if the Rockets are built for playoff success, but their uniqueness makes them hard to beat in the regular season because they're unique to uh, to prepare for but they provide a, a lot of difficult matchups there's uh, there's no doubt about it all right uh coming up here uh we're going to talk to uh, david Locke coming up in the next segment we are live at the warehouse 86 east university parkway prices so low it will blow your mind they've got great deals going on down here tom in fact extending the President's Day Sale. So come take advantage of it. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 975 and 1280 The Zone. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. PK. 
So can I get a selfie with you? Please. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I knew you knuckleheads were going to bring this. <laughs> yeah, that created quite a stir. It did. Much more than I anticipated. I had a phone shoved in my face and I was with Renee and I just said, oh, say please. And then he made the little remark back, but he actually apologized to I think he posted the picture of us. I still obviously had the photo with him and basketball player or not, doctor, 7-Eleven, wherever you work. If you're asking someone to do something, whatever it is, it's please and thank you. It's like the most common, easy courtesy in the world. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're live at the Warehouse 86 East University Parkway right here in Orem. Come grab some jazz gear and check out deals on furniture that will absolutely blow your mind. Uh, We're going to talk to David Locke in this segment. Your uh, David today brought to you by our friends at Cypress Credit Union. With the lowest fees and quickest keys, Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. And as as I mentioned, we're going to talk to uh, David coming up here momentarily. Uh, but uh, Tom, throw on that headset real quick. We'll uh, we'll tell the good folks what's going on down here at the warehouse, and then we'll get out to uh, we'll get out to lock and find out a little bit more at the Jazz. But uh, you're extending the President's Day sale. We are, and as you know, Jake, we have deals that are just unprecedented. Adjustable beds, queen with a mattress, gel infused memory foam. This is an incredible deal. Four hundred ninety nine. Wow! If you're looking for nicer, we've got head up, foot up, with a ten inch gel infused memory foam mattress for seven ninety nine. Then, if you're looking for the very, very best deal, how about the lumbar set with a fourteen inch latex hybrid? Twelve ninety nine. This is the deal at the home show that was fifty four hundred dollars. We're doing it for twelve ninety nine, and then we have the king deal. And Jake, you know we've done a lot of adjustable bed deals. You and I. This is a king head up and foot up adjustable bed with a ten inch gel infused memory foam mattress. The entire package eight hundred ninety nine dollars. Uh, come and see us. We're going to be here all weekend. Uh, we're at 86 East University Parkway in Orem and in Salt Lake. 1967 South, 300 West. Thanks, Tom. There you go. Come see Tom at the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway, right here in Orem. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us, of course, our good friend, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. David, what is happening? Uh, ready to go back to work, excited, fired up, not sure. I didn't really love the first, like, three days of All-Star break. I was kind of like, let's go, and then I found a way to enjoy the next three or four. <laughs> well, that is good, David. That is good. We all need a little recharging. But let's talk about the All-Star game for a second, and then, uh, of course, we'll move on to what to expect from these final 28 games. But kind of your thoughts on the, the game, the format, and, of course, the performance from Rudy and Donovan. So um, it's interesting. Like, I didn't plan to watch it. Um, 
is, you know, it's just not like I had things going on on Sunday, and so I wasn't. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, I saw like the score that had been set, and there were like five minutes left, and it was. And next thing I know, I was uh, we were up in Ruby Mountain, and I went over to my daughter, who's a huge basketball fan, and suddenly we were watching the. We weren't in a place that had the game on, so we were watching like the NBA.com TN, you know, TNT like backboard feed, which is not ideal, but it's unique. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it caught my interest. I think it caught a lot of people's interest, and I think it showed that they that there's something to that scoring system that is probably worth deeper discussion than just the All Star Game, and it made the All Star Game far more exciting. I will be honest. I did not see Rudy and Donovan, and I did not see the uh, first three quarters in any manner that would tell me whether that was a more competitive all-star game than what we've seen. But it was pretty awesome when Giannis was guarding LeBron out, isolated one-on-one, and, you know, Harden's trying to go one-on-one on someone. And, you know, he swings. They, they had a play where they swung it around the outside, and it was, you know, arguably five of the seven best players in the NBA all making, you know, passing to each other. I thought it was pretty incredible. David, uh, Rudy Gobert uh, played really well. Does it mean anything? He said afterwards, somebody asked if he was trying to prove something, but he said, no, you prove something by winning championships. What do you make of him having a positive experience out of this? Is there any after effect? Oh, I think anytime you're just around, um, you know, the best in the world and you're in that group, there's a positive aspect to that. Um you know, so I think that his play on the floor, I obviously didn't think was, I mean, if I thought it was truly relevant, I like the game. I usually watch things I think are really important. I guess I didn't deem that to be the case on that one. Um, or I was trying to have some life balance. Um, so, but I think just being in that environment and being rewarded for your efforts should be a motivator to try to get back there and do it again. David Locke is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk about the Jazz going into this final stretch, David, of, uh, of 28 games. And uh, talk specifically about Mike Conley, Gordon and I, and we've talked to you about it. You know, I think we all know that Mike needs to be playing at his best for this team to achieve what they're capable of. And the last few games we saw Mike play before the break were really, really good. Talk about his progress and where he still needs to go. You know, I had a nice conversation with him today. I, I don't know if I led the conversation to this spot more than he went there. I don't think he disagreed when I brought it up. But a little bit was just how nice it must have been for him to have a break. It's been such a whirlwind, right? Like he went to a new place. Everything was different. Then he struggled. Then he got hurt. Then he didn't start. Then he started. Then he got the flu. Um and, you know, I got hurt twice in there. So I think that I, I talked to him today, and I will admit I led the conversation. So he didn't – It was this wasn't necessarily his idea, but just how nice it must be for him to be able to kind of go away, get reset, come back, know where he's going to be, know what the routine is. Um, he said that – he said the one thing he did share was that they went – he went to, like, two days away and then went to his house in Columbus, and he had a gym there. And he had really been struck by the flu. He had not got outside much. He played, so he went outside and played one, uh, I don't know if he played a full round or not of golf, but he was really didn't feel well. He, that flu had struck him pretty good. And so he didn't go outside much at all. But when they got to Columbus, he was like, well, I'll just rest. And 
he has a gym in his house in Columbus. And he said he just found himself like downstairs, just having a great time, just shooting and being in the gym and just enjoying himself. And, you know, whatever that basketball Jones is that most of the players have, I think he re-engaged. And I think it'll be, I think it's refreshing for him just with being able to kind of set his bearing and find his foundation as he heads into the second half of the season. This has been quite a whirlwind for him. Nothing has been normal. He's never failed before and never struggled the way he's struggled, never been in a new place before, never learned a new system. I think, you know, this, is, this has got to be nice for him to be back to normal. So, David, 28 games to play for the Jazz. You've studied that schedule. What do you make of what the possibilities are for a number of victories? Well, it's considerably more difficult than Houston, the Clippers, or Denver's. Denver's is closest to ours, but Houston really has an amazingly uh, – I think Houston, I, I have to – I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I, I tweeted it earlier today at Locked On Sports, but I, I think they've got something about 17 of 28 games are against teams where they have an 80% win possibility or higher. I know that Austin uh, kind of broke down the 538 win probability today when he tweeted it out, and – the Jazz is just more daunting than, than anyone. Denver's the next, and then the Clippers really have a pretty soft schedule. If they're going full bore, they've had a tendency to let some slip, and Paul George's hamstring will see what happens when they finally play again, whether he goes. Um, I, I expect Houston to be – Houston's got 28 left. I'd, I'd expect Houston goes about 22-5 and five or 22-6 and six the rest of the way. Um so I think they're going to be a home court team. And then the quest, the Clippers schedule is pretty easy. It's going to be a home court team. I think Utah and Denver could find themselves in a really tight battle for, for four or five. And, and Denver's got the edge and Denver keeps winning. Uh, despite the fact they keep looking at circumstances, we think they're going to slip, but I, this is, this schedule is not, it's got the most games against above 500 teams. We do play a lot of home games. Um, I think we have a rest disadvantage in one more than others, but we, we've got six or seven games, it is, where we're on the road with a below 40% win probability, and, you know, we're going to have to find a way to sneak two or three of those. Well, I, I think that's why, David, Jazz fans are kind of hoping for an extra gear where it's it's not so much a sneak as it is, well, that's legitimately how well they're playing, and I guess, in, in your opinion, do they have that gear? So, since Jordan Clarkson's joined the team, they have the second-best differential, the number one offense, and the number, um, like, 12th or 13th defense. Now, in that stretch, they have not played any of the five best defensive teams or any of the five best teams in the league. So it's a little inflated. Not a lot, but it's a little inflated. What's going to be really curious here down the stretch is the Jazz play... I think 12 games, including our next two, against top 10 offensive teams. And do we have the defensive prowess to be able to slow down the top offensive teams in the league and allow what has been the number one offensive team in the league, being the Jazz, since December 24th, take control of games? And I don't know the answer to that. It's interesting to be here at this point, but we're really pretty much where I thought we'd be when the year starts. If we 
have an average defense, we're going to be really good. If we have an above-average defense, we'll be better. And if we have a great defense, we'll be fantastic. And we have not seen a great defense yet. I don't know that we have entirely the makeup to be a great defensive team, but we'll see in the next stretch of how we handle those. I think it's 12 games against top 10 offensive teams the rest of the way. Well said. Yeah, I think that is a very important uh, thing to circle. And, uh, David, uh, Jake uh, made the comparison. He said last year the Jazz kind of had a softer approach to the postseason. It sounds to me like from what you were saying, if the Jazz are able to prosper under these conditions, then that could bode well for whatever happens thereafter. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we got to find out. Just because you haven't, haven't played the five best teams in that stretch doesn't mean your numbers aren't real. It just means you don't know. Now, we play the Lakers, I think, two more times, if I'm right, um, back-to-back. So hopefully we can get one of those. Uh, we don't play Milwaukee again. We split with them. Uh, we play Boston two more times. They're one of the top five teams in the league, both overall and defensively. Uh, we play the Clippers one or two more times. Um, and they're one of those teams in that group, and I'm trying to – and we've played Toronto, and we played Toronto one more time. So those are the five real high-level teams. But then we also go on the road to Denver, go on the road to Oklahoma City. There's some real tests in here. We're going to find out what what our medal is and, and whether this team that, you know, the front office so astutely made the move and 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 went to just prior to uh, the trade deadline and got an extra 20-some-odd games out of it, what advantage that yields them here as we move forward with the addition of Jordan Clarkson at a, at a much earlier date. I think that's really worth talking about, that the Jazz got 20-plus games out of Clarkson that if you wait till the trade deadline to make that deal, you don't get. David, I ask you this from time to time, and I'm always curious to your answer, but what storyline is going under the radar right now that people aren't talking about but probably should be? Well, since we have the most passionate fan base in the world that's on top of our team and knows it is some of the smartest fans. I don't think there's actually many storylines that are being untalked about. I don't feel like anyone's missing the boat. Like I think people kind of have what this team is and what they, how good they've been recently and how well they've been built and how brilliantly they've been coached. And I, I, I'm, I don't have a storyline that I think is not being talked about enough. I, I, I think we've done some, you know, we've built, built an interesting team and, it uh, doesn't seem like the buyout market is yielding anything that can alter this roster. So, you know, let's move forward and see what we got. What about league-wide? Oh, I think Houston's going to be really great. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that that means they're going to win playoff series, but I think the math behind what they did it makes sense. It's a short sample size. The concern would be the wear and tear on P.J. Tucker, but they may be able to get through that. The addition of Damari Carroll and Jeff Green don't move my meter, but if they get them 20 minutes that they weren't getting otherwise, that might be important to how, considering how thin they were. Um, I think Nikola Jokic is an MVP candidate, but I think at a higher level than that. I think he has MVP impact on games. Uh, it's hard for me to understand how Denver wins at the rate they're winning until you kind of realize that Jokic is just far better than I think anyone gives him credit for. He's probably, you know, Giannis is the MVP, and then Harden's right after that. LeBron is having quite a year, and but I think Jokic probably should be the third 
or fourth candidate for MVP right now and uh, probably deserves to be understood to having the same impact on games. Um, I think Philadelphia's next 28 games has the largest impact on the future of the league. Hmm. Um, can they figure this out? There have not been a lot of young teams and young tandems that rise together, that hold together. Can they? Can Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid get through whatever they're going through to solve that? Can they figure out how to use Al Horford? If they don't, I would assume there'd be a fairly significant detonation there, which might go beyond coaching and into roster. Um, so I think that's that's it. I mean, Milwaukee is having one of the greatest seasons of any NBA team ever. I'm not sure that's being talked about enough. Um, but that's probably Houston and Philadelphia's next stretches have long-term implications on the league. Philadelphia from a roster standpoint, Houston from a stylistic standpoint. But I think a lot of people will make a mistake trying to mimic Houston without the same personnel if they're successful. David, when you when you consider the troubles that Philly has had, I find that fascinating. Is it a skill set issue or is it attitudinal? Well, so I think it's a skill set issue. I think Al Horford turned out to be a horrible fit instead of a good fit, which they just missed on. That happens. You can add these, like, unbelievable veterans that seem like they're perfect to add to your roster, and then when they get there, it actually just doesn't fit. Al Horford's numbers – with Joel Embiid on the floor are stunningly bad. I don't have it up. I haven't looked it up in a while, but I mean, I think he's shooting in the 30s when he's on the floor with Joel Embiid. And then, you know, there's a like there's the history of the league that they're fighting. What are the two young players that emerged as stars early in their career that were able to hold it together and not have a divorce? And there aren't very many, right? Teddy and Shaq, Kobe and Shaq, LaMarcus Aldridge and Damian Lillard. We run through this. It's not uncommon to have two young players rise to stardom together and then have a hard time holding it together. So we'll see whether that nasty bug that's been around the league for decades solves that, you know, causes, causes them to fall apart. Jimmy Jackson, Jamal Masper, and Jason Kidd, like, you can go find them. They're all over the place. That is really weird. <laughs> I've never even thought of that. Well, I don't know if it's actually any different than any other industry. Huh. Well, David, we appreciate it as always. And, hey, we're going to see you at the arena tomorrow night, man. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Got a little, got a little prep to do tonight. Dig back in. Excited for it. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks, David. There you go. That's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and his appearance on the show today brought to you by our friends at Cypress Credit Union. With the lowest fees and quickest keys, Cypress has the home loan product that is perfect for you. Visit any Cypress branch or cypresscu.com for details. I'm trying to think of guys who, uh, along about your age, Jake, that came along the same time you did and how you have not been able to really coexist with any of them. I mean... Like who? I don't know. You tell me. No. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Stay tuned. We're going to have more Big Show coming up next, live from the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem, here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Oh! 
Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Mount, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Come here. Here at the warehouse, 86 <laughs> East University Parkway. Uh, what We can have the listeners come in and give you hugs. Okay. Well. Okay. You can agree to that, huh? That seems unlike you. Well, we're, you know. I, I, I'm just thinking of the possibilities. I don't know. Gordon's uh, giving out hugs today. I'll give you a hug and you run from me. I'm not in the hugging mood at the moment. Are you ever? Uh, rarely. I'm a good hugger. I don't believe that for I, a second. I, You're a very warm person, but I I don't know if you, you strike me as I'm a good an, hugger. I'm not an aggressive hugger. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where we go from no, there. No, I, I'm just not that's, like... That's good. I'm not an inappropriate hugger. Okay, that's I, good, too. I'm just, uh, Should I'm, we I'm stop? Just, I'm just like when I wrap my arms around you. Let's stop. You you feel it. Yeah, let's stop. <laughs> let's let's not proceed with with this conversation. You've never... Have we ever... We've hugged. We have. I'm sure. Uh, I, in hugged, fact, I know hugged, we have. We hugged at your wedding. Yeah, right. We have. I know. Just, you know... Special. Well, let's well, leave it at special occasions. I'm I, fine with that. Look, you can solve this if you don't remember it. Ask Naz, because I hugged her, too, and oh. she liked that. <laughs> What's the creepiest thing you've ever said to me? That <laughs> was, like, completely inappropriate as well. As well, I was terrible. Why, how, Come why, on. So, how so? Come she, on. She's experienced it. <laughs> <laughs> and she you're not making it. it better. You're not she making it better. It. You're not making it any better. All right, I'm just saying that you know once, once, once I've hugged her, I don't know. You better, you better invest a little energy in hugging. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. I will not, you know, insult your wife or girlfriend. I, I won't make her mad. I will just guide her to the promised land. <laughs> What in the world was I talking about when I said that? I don't know where to the go. The prosecution here, really. rests. You know what's uh, coming up next? We've got uh, the big show rolling on on the FM side of the dial. We then we do. have a little doc talk on the AM side of the dial. So stay tuned Talking for that. Doctor, huh? Hans and uh, the gang—they're—they're they're on remote. Actually, they're up at, uh, of course, University uh, of Utah Health. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Up there on Wakura Way. So stay tuned if you have any ailments. Eight five five three four zero zone. You Do can they cover everything? The doctor. No, we did last time we did a tease for Doc Talk. We we decided they don't cover everything, <laughs> but you know, orthopedic stuff, sure. I mean, let's say you got a bad rash or <laughs> something. Or <laughs> they cover that. I tell you because, what. No, because that rash, you know, it can get all pussy. What, and, you know, what happened to you? What did you do during the break? <laughs> because this has been a very strange. <laughs> 
Strange segment. All right, we are live at the warehouse at their <laughs> Orem location, eighty six East University Parkway. Joining us now, our friend Tom. That is now definitely one of my biggest regrets ever. Talking about cuddling on that double chase recline. What, what door You're did you open, Tom? No, don't put it off on Tom. No, you it, it in the it's, next it's, level. It's Jake being uncomfortable that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, all I said was I was a good hugger. What's wrong with that? Tom's a hugger, I can tell. I hug my grandkids. I hug my wife. Hug All my... normal. Yeah, no, that's you hug your daughter. Hugs. What's yeah. wrong with hugging your little daughter? Nothing, nothing. Well, not then, for... then stop He's this. You're talking about me hugging my wife. I mean, that. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was all it was all above board. He just want he just wants a reaction. So. Jake, uh, I'm changing the subject quickly. Thank you. What do you got? You're selling some stuff. If you need to hug (laughs) and if you want to cuddle, I have the ultimate man cave item. All right. How about an adjustable bed? And you've heard the story. I don't care what you do in your own privacy of your bedroom. If you want to hug, go ahead and hug. But if you buy an adjustable bed from me, I'm going to support you in your bedroom. How about that? (laughs) But what's that because it was a man cave? (laughs) What's the ultimate room in a man's cave? Oh, well. It's where he sleeps. Okay. I hadn't thought of that. Let's see? <laughs> Keep up with the times over there, Chester. And, and you're there for eight hours every night. Yeah. So you spend a third of your life in that part of your man cave. Where do bears hide, hibernate in their cave? See? Where they sleep. I hadn't so, thought of it in those Gordon, terms. you spend, you know, 10, sometimes 12 hours. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I need a nap after that well, you, you, conversation. You, you have said that uh, sleep is pretty important to good health. Incredibly important. We won't bore you, but if you want to listen to the Man Cave Show Saturday at 4 p.m., we're going to talk a lot about the benefits of uh, good sleep. I have the best deals we've ever had. The King Head up, foot up with a gel-infused memory foam mattress, only eight ninety nine. If you want the very best, we, we've talked all day about this couple who came in Tuesday night. They were at our competitors up the street, uh, and they're the big boys. It was an $8,000 package. The husband said, I heard these guys on the radio Saturday talking about the best place to buy an adjustable bed. We are the best place in Utah to buy an adjustable bed. I'm going to save you money. Name brand, full factory warranty, and the $8,000 package, $2,900. It's just an incredible deal. And then Queens. I've got Queen deals starting at $499. If you want like the very best 14-inch latex hybrid with the adjustable bed that has massage, it has USBs, has AC plugs, it has a lumbar, it has every feature you can get, we'll sell you the whole package for $12.99. Wow. Boom. Take advantage of it. 86 East University Parkway or their Salt Lake location, 1967 South, 300 West. More Big Show coming up next on the FM. Doc Talk on the AM, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to the folks here at the warehouse, uh, warehouse, Tom and the gang, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. And just think about it, uh, Gordon, at this time tomorrow, 
will be basically about ready for tip-off for the Jazz and the Spurs. Yes, and uh, it's I, everyone's <laughs> excited to see the stretch run now. You know, what's real and what isn't? We're going to find out. That's what we got to find out. And I think the way the Jazz finished this season, maybe more than any season I can think of in quite some time, will be telling about what does come afterward. All right. uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show. Big thanks to Sam Amick, who jumped on with us today. David Locke as well. Thank you, Gordon. Thank you. And thanks to Austin and thanks to uh, all of our listeners. Because without Austin, without our listeners, you know, you and I would just be talking to ourselves right now. Wouldn't make much sense. No, I mean, you want to think, I enjoy your company. Do you want to but... think like the, the radio tower? Do you want to think like the power company? <laughs> All the people that make it possible the good for folks, us to be here. The good folks at Comrex who uh, <laughs> sell us equipment. Uh, Movie Zone coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.